Awesome. Do me a favor. Would you welcome our first time guests today? We just want to celebrate them. Really good to have you here. And we've got a small gift for you on your way out. Just stop by our next steps table, please, right at the back of the auditorium. All right. If you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, we have been in a series called Fruition. And we are looking at characteristics. We're looking at what scriptures call the fruit of those who follow Jesus. And it's not something that happens overnight. It's not like we go, uh, uh, you know, you know, from, from having the fruit of the ways of the world to overnight. Now, miraculously, we are perfect with all the fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's what's beautiful. We are perfect before God because of the work of Jesus. It's called salvation. But this series, we've been looking at a term called sanctification. And that is when we walk with God, we stay in step with His Spirit, we can be quite confident that over time some characteristics are going to happen in our lives. And so Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it highlights these nine characteristics. Let's look at them together. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Paul begins with top priority, love. And I'm convinced that over time, as we get love right, all of these other eight are on display. And especially when we think about today, the characteristic we're going to look at is faithfulness. Can we say that word together? One, two, three, faithfulness. Faithfulness is a characteristic of Jesus' followers. Now think about that word faithful. Think about how we use it in our culture. I don't know about your life, but maybe some of these resonate with you. You think about a faithful friend. Somebody that's by your side through thick and through thin. Somebody you trust. Not everybody's a faithful friend, but hopefully in your life you've got one or two that you can call on, help carry a burden, help carry a a situation you're walking through. They're faithful. They're trustworthy. Over time, not over a week or two, but over time they've proved. Man, they're faithful through what? What's the phrase? They're faithful through thick and thin. They're steady, steadfast. A faithful spouse. It's the same that is true, right? Faithfulness over the long Game. We are so blessed to have many in our congregation that are not only at double digits, but, you know, some of y'all approaching triple digits anniversary. No, I'm kidding. But we've got some who are who are long game in that. Now, again, beautiful thing like friendship. So is a marriage. It's not just on one person be faithful, but it's on both. Faithful partner for some of you in business or the workplace. Maybe you got in business with someone. You know what it's like to have forged a, a business together over the years. Faithfulness. It's, it's consistency, right? It's integrity. It's creating a relationship on trust and seeing it not just last for seven days or seven years, but sometimes even 70 years. Uh, I was thinking about faithfulness, and I thought about a faithful pet. Y'all, old faithful. Our dog is now getting the term old faithful in our house. 
Um, it's like we, we, we think there's in our backyard the eternal fountain of youth or something because, man, he has outlasted his brothers and sisters. They, you know, when you, when you buy a dog, they give you their typical lifespan. We're all, our dog, he's anointed. Man, like, like he, he, trust me, we've tried things. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We have not. I'm kidding. All you pet lovers aren't coming back. No, that was a bad joke, okay? It was a bad joke. But I think about a faithful pet, man. They, 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 they wake up every morning, right? And in their older years, when they maybe can't see or hear as well, they are under your feet. They're faithful to be under your feet. Every meal, every snack, every trip through the kitchen. Okay, faithful, faithful. Oh, how about this? Maybe you, you, you sports fans, you're, you're a faithful fan of your sports team. And, uh, you know, as I was ministering earlier in that dry season, you, you didn't think anything spiritual. You meant immediately to your sports team. Yes, Lord. Thank you. We need some supernatural power in the team I follow, right? Because you're faithful through the, the, through the bad years and through the good years. That faithfulness, it's at its root, it's a God thing. It is. It's a, it's a God thing. We serve a faithful God. I was thinking about today's message and faithfulness. And you know, sometimes with life verses, you're familiar with the term a life verse. You, you gravitate towards a certain passage of Scripture or maybe a certain theme in Scripture. And it's, it's, it's more than just somebody told you to like it. It's like something your spirit resonated with this. I remember I reflect on my first life verse. Like how many of you know one life verse is not enough, somebody? I mean, you gotta, you got to have it a dozen or so. My first life verse, early, early teenage years, Proverbs chapter 3. Now, some of you who know Proverbs 3, you think you know where I'm going. You're thinking verses 5 and 6. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. I was that obscure anomaly as a young teenager. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 were my first life verses. At the time, I had no idea why I was drawn to them. I think, as I was reflecting this week, I, I think it's because the promise attached to it was favor. And I love me some favor. I think that was maybe my earliest uh, draw to the passage. But as I've seen over the years... God has, has, has forged something deeper, I would say, or richer to it. But Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, it's, it's, I, I, I have it memorized. The NIV translation changed a little bit from when I had it. But it reads now, it's let love and faithfulness. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win, here's my part, at least in those years, favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Love that. Love and faithfulness. I'm so grateful for the grace of God that, you know, some of you like, man, I wish that was my life verse. You know, you were picking scripture from Genesis for your life verse. You know, I'm just teasing. But Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. I love, I love the vision. Think about that. The vision and the direction it gives us each for our lives. Love and faithfulness. Let love and faithfulness. You'll see those two back and forth, not only through the author of Proverbs, but in the New Testament, Paul would, would echo similar terms, love and faithfulness. See, faithfulness is a mark of a Christ follower. Faithful, faithful, steadfast. 
Steadfast. I love this quote. Christopher Wright, you've noticed, I've probably um, quoted him almost every message. I gleaned heavily for this series from his book, which is titled Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. But I love his quote. He says this, A faithful person is a person of honesty and integrity. Someone you can rely on. Faithful people keep their word. They do what they promise. They can be trusted not to cheat or deceive. On the other hand, being faithful means exercising that kind of trustworthy behavior over a long period of time. Faithful people have proved that they can be trusted for the long haul. You don't have to check up on them. You don't have to worry that even though they did a good job last week. (laughs) They might let you down this week. No, faithful people show that they are routinely, I love that term, routinely dependable in all kinds of ways and all kinds of circumstances. Faithfulness is the character of somebody you know you can rely on all the time. And that, here it is, surely is exactly the truth about God. That's who God is. That's why faithfulness is the fruit of God's Spirit at work in us. Because we're becoming transformed into Christ likeness. So, what is faithfulness? He would say really two things at play, right? Being trustworthy and dependable. All right, I think we'd all say we're on the same page. Looking at people we would consider in our life trustworthy and dependable. And then that other second dynamic is not just for one season, but they're dependable and consistent over a long period of time. Short equation I like to think about is trust plus time equals faithfulness. (laughs) Trust plus No time is unfaithfulness, right? Well, I trusted them for a day. Yeah, nobody walks around. If you trusted me for a day, you would not say, you know, Paul is trustworthy for a day. I mean, that's not faithfulness. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is is being trustworthy. It's dependable, but it's been consistent. It's over a long period. And, And God is trustworthy. We can read throughout scriptures It declares to us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't take much time to read throughout the scriptures from Genesis, though there are significant amounts of authors in scripture. In all 66 books, you can see a thread of your heavenly father's faithfulness time and time and time again. When humanity turned their back, God was faithful. When individuals turned their back, God was faithful. When anointed, called individuals, set out on a mission, set out on a purpose, and failed horribly, miserably, God was found faithful. It's covenant keeping. Know this about God. He's not contract. He's covenant. You know, some people approach some of the deepest relationships of their life, and they immediately go in with contract. Hey, we're going to sign a contract. Get the papers ready. God is a covenant covenant heavenly father i think of a few passages i won't exhaust them all for time's sake though i have several let me just share a few passages deuteronomy chapter 32 it says this ascribe greatness to our god like why are we ascribing greatness well the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are just a god of what you see it faithfulness without injustice righteous and upright is he. Psalm 25, 10. 
All the ways of the Lord are loving, there it is, and faithful toward those who keep the demands of His covenant. Psalm 33, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. Paul, as he's writing, not to the church in Galatia, but he's writing to the church in Philippi, the Philippians, the book, the letter of Philippians. Paul writes in the beginning, the first chapter, he's just in a few lines, and he says, God is faithful, 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 faithful. When, when things are high, when I'm riding high, when the wind's at my back, faithful, faithful, faithful. When I'm low, deep in the valley, distressed, I feel abandoned by God. He's faithful, faithful, faithful. He's Faithful to complete, to complete the good work he's begun in you. You may have experienced unfaithfulness in relationships. Some of your closest friendships, some of your closest family, they may have let you down. Unfaithful. It can be easy in the pain and in the hurt while we carry our expectations to God to assume he's going to be unfaithful. I'm on mission to encourage and remind you. Hold up and hold on. God is faithful. We don't trust just our feelings in the moment. God is faithful. Paul would say, look, he's going. He's going like like y'all. Hey, you don't get a choice. God's going to do it. He's going to be faithful to fulfill the good work he's begun in you. God calls us. I'm going to move rapidly here. We're going to wrap up. God calls us. He calls you. He calls me, calls everybody online, the sound of my voice, those that know and those that don't know. He's calling us all up to a level of faithfulness, to a level of faithfulness. So I was thinking about two areas that we operate with, every one of us, two arenas, two areas of life that we operate in where our faithfulness is tested. The first, our private life. Faithful. When no one is watching. Y'all supposed to shout me down like, where's your handkerchiefs? Where's your hands raised and your amens yelling back? Come on, y'all. Listen, listen, this is good. This is good for me. This is good for you. Faithful, faithful in our private life. I hope for every person, think about our expectations of others. Quit thinking about yourself. Think about the person next to you, right? Our hope for every person in life is that they will be walking in wholeness. We hope they are the same in private as they are in public. We want to trust them. I think we, we long, before we get jaded, I, I do believe this, I think before we get jaded, we want to trust people. We want to. I think it's set in the order of creation. We, we long to trust. We long for people to be faithful towards us. Because I believe, just personally, deep down, Scripture clearly states we're created in the image of God. And I think in the thread of life, again, before the jadedness and brokenness we've experienced, we have a longing to trust. You think about children. Man, you think about children. Like, what are we having to coach children on? Don't talk to strangers. Don't take candy from strangers. Right? I mean, I grew up, maybe it was just the people in Cape Town. I don't know. I'll have to ask my parents. But it was like, Paul, don't take candy from strangers. Okay. Can I have some candy, stranger? You know? <laughs> Children, deep down. Man, I was, I was listening to kids on the inflatables as I was protecting and pleading the blood over my sanity as I was watching the inflatables yesterday at the fall festival. And I just saw, I was like, man, they don't know me from Adam. 
But they trust me like I'm going to direct them. I mean, I was, I was crimping their style a little bit. You know, you know, when you're in fourth grade and a boy, you don't want anybody telling you what to do, certainly on an inflatable. But I had their best interests in mind. <laughs> I, I didn't say this, but I'm like, trust me. Like, you have proven the last two times you've gone down that slide, you got a little stupid on you, okay? So trust me. I want to help you. I want to help you. Now, we, we don't say that to anybody, okay? And that's not... That's, Felt like I dug a hole. I can't come out of it. But I'm going to attempt to. Trust me, I've got good interest for me. You've got to rope around and come back up, you know, come back up. Why? Because, man, when you're in fourth grade, you think it's normal to flip on your slide down. And I'm seeing people flip. I'm seeing them cross all sorts of jumping boundaries. And I had good interest in them. Many of them just like, Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. They have a tendency to trust adult authority figures. Now, that gets jaded in life. It gets jaded. I want to encourage you. Be careful. Be careful not to project that on God. But let me get back to my notes and where I was really going. Our private life is where it begins. Don't have expectations of yourself if it's not in your private life on your private life. I, I, I'm convinced sometimes we can be too enthused and excited to call out everybody else's without investigating our own. So it's important that in our private life, in our private life, in our private life, we're found faithful. And how about this? Faithful with forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. No one is 110% faithful except God. But here's what I found. Sometimes people that are so crippled in their private life, they are the hardest critic on others. It's come out to be true at times. So we want to take care of, of ours. What's ours to own? What, what, what happens? You think, of the, you think of the private life, right? We all enjoy, well, maybe we don't all enjoy, but we all enjoy entertainment. Let me say this. So whether it's professional athletes or whether it's, you know, a playhouse, we like that they practiced we like that the actor doesn't come out with his notes in hand, right, and says, Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo, right? You're not going to hang out in a playhouse like that. You're going to grab your keys and be like, I think this is a horror show. Nobody told us. Well, I'm out. No. You want somebody who can come and act. Romeo. Romeo, <laughs> where art thou, Romeo, right? They got it memorized. Because why? They worked in their private life. I love Malcolm Gladwell. I love, love as an author. He, he writes some very intriguing stuff. And he wrote about the 10,000-hour rule. He said 10,000 hours focused attention to detail and practice behind closed doors, so to speak, in the private life. It leads to success in the public. And so how many of you know you're grateful that heart surgeons have taken care of it in private? Like, you go, you're going to be a little panicked and if you're in the waiting room and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm so grateful your spouse came in today. Thanks for scheduling this. So You're you going to be like, why, why are you thanking me for scheduling this? Well, you know, this is my first time. And uh, I've, got, I've got some papers, just excited about it. Man, thank you all for being willing. You, you, you would freak. Because you have expectation then in their private life. They've been practicing. 
<laughs> I remember in college, uh, one of our professors, he, he had to have open heart surgery. And there was a room where we all kind of laughed, and then he actually told us it was true. He asked his heart surgeon, hey, what kind of grades did you get in school? I thought, that's an appropriate question. I've, I've never thought about that. So that's what I ask everybody now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but what does it do? It's a private life before a public life. That's what happens with faithfulness. It's, it's practiced in, in, in the private spaces of our lives. And it's important for us to not get recognition too quickly. I think it's <laughs> certainly the grace of God on all humanity that I did not get heard <laughs> too quickly or understood too quickly, but having to work things out in the private life. It's called character. It's called purity of motive. And I don't want to propose that, that there's flawlessness in, it, in every arena all the time, 100%. No, all of us are in need of the grace of God. But faithfulness is a trustworthy posture of the heart. And it doesn't start in public. It starts in the private places, before the platform or before the public sphere or ministry. And, you know, I was thinking about it. I referenced Malcolm Gladwell. But he talks about that 10,000 hour. I was fascinated. Historically, before the Beatles, you may not be a Beatles fan. That's fine. You're forgiven. But the Beatles, they had two, three years, I think it was, of playing a, a, a German club. They'd fly to Germany every week and play like three days straight. Nobody heard of them. They could have sounded terrible. Nobody cared because in the club, people had taken things not to really care about their music. That shall remain nameless. But they kept practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. Never heard of. Never wrote a hit at that time. Nobody's watching. Nobody in England knew about them. Nobody in America knew about them. It was just private, so to speak. Unknown perfecting their craft. Faithfulness is forged in the secret place with God, the quiet times with God. Sometimes, well, especially with people longing to be in ministry, it's like, man, well, that's awesome. I always start with, you got a quiet time? Uh, it's cool you can be faithful with me. You faithful with God? Can he trust you in your finances? Can he trust you with your friendships? Can he trust you with your relationships? Can he trust you when no one is watching? I'm speaking to myself here, too. Can he, can he trust us when no one is watching? That's, that's the faithfulness. It's the faithfulness. Uh, Kevin Gerald, a pastor in the Northwest, wrote a, a short, concise book. It's a, it's a profound book. But it's called The Proving Ground. It's not just for, for those in ministry. It's, it's for anybody. It's the, it's the proving ground. It's like, it's like God, God tests behind the scenes. And um, in, in one chapter, he, he calls this the credibility test. I think it's chapter two or three in his book. It's called the credibility test. And, and he has, there's, there's three credibilities. Credibility of competence, right? The craft. There's credibility of personality, like do people want to be around you? You know, chemistry. You know, because how many, you know, all-star athletes who are terrible in the locker room. They don't last long in a team, do they? So you've got competence, personality. And then the third is, it's to me, and I believe in the book he listed as well, is hands down the most important. It's the credibility of character. And here's what he writes. He says, our character ethics are never known until they are tested. Like everybody's faithful, 
until you have to show up and do something you didn't want to do, right? It's like, until it's tested. We may have good intentions, but intentions are not the same as good character. Good character is the moral strength to maintain our pre-planned course of good intentions in the moment of opposition. At the specific moment, it's tempting to break character. The circumstances seem to justify it. The weak will break and compromise. Only the strong survive. The difference between stage character and moral character is that moral character is often challenged in private, while stage character is challenged where? In public. Perhaps the greatest opponent to moral and ethical character is the voice that whispers, nobody will ever know what could it possibly hurt. It's in the moment of potential compromise that we must be true to ourselves. We pass the greatest character test of all. It's only then, when we are honest with ourselves, that we are prepared to be honest with God and other people. Psalm 139, 23 through 24, written by King David, a man who jeopardized credibility. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. David leads us out from the pit of despair when it comes to faithfulness. <laughs> when the shame, when the guilt, when the accusation, when the enemy whispers you're unfaithful, you'll never, never measure up. You'll never be able to be faithful. David shows us the way. Repentance, confession, and moving forward in the grace of God, the mercy of God. Private life is vital. The public life as well. It's important though, right? I, I know if we get the private life faithfulness test right, it's just going to happen in the public arena. But I love Matthew 5, 16 because it talks about good works. Good works don't earn our salvation, but good works certainly do promote the witness of the kingdom of God. That's why I'm just convinced Christians are the best hire every time. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> By faith. Amen. No, I mean it. I mean it. In the same way, let your good intentions. <laughs> this is so painful, y'all. Why did you tell me what we're getting into? In the same way, let your good intentions. No, your good deeds. Shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Ah, it's beautiful. Paul, think of it this way. Everything in the workplace, in the workplace, in the workplace. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, Paul says, do it all what? For the glory of God. A witness of Christ to an unbelieving generation. And you're faithful. You're faithful. Can I tell you why? Oh, man, you are faithful when they let you down. You're faithful. When man, I preach on missed expectations. You like, they got hundreds of missed expectations. But you faithful. You faithful ear to listen. Faithful ear. Then on their darkest, hardest day, you're faithful ear. You got a posture. Coworkers. You're faithful. You're steadfast. They can rely on you. They can count on you. You do what you say you're going to do. Here's what's crazy about all of this. This is called the fruit of the Spirit. 
Because y'all may not admit it, but in our own strength, I will admit it. This is an impossibility. It's impossible. We've all fallen short of the faithfulness of God. All of us. So in our own strength, we lean on our intentions. But I believe the Holy Spirit works in miraculous ways when we have our good intentions plus the good Holy Spirit. Amen? It produces this fruit in our lives. That over time, right, year one as a Christian looks a lot, a lot different than year 25 as a Christ follower. <laughs> Faithfulness didn't happen as much year one, but by golly, you become so dependable, trustworthy, consistent, faithful. And God is so beautiful. I've seen what needs to take decades to cultivate trust. I've seen God do irreparable damage in one's eyes supernaturally by the grace, the mercy, the kindness of God. He can supernaturally cultivate trust as he heals and brings wholeness. But we, we need to at least be thinking about faithfulness as we follow Christ. Faithfulness as we follow Christ. But don't fall for the lie. Don't fall for the temptation. Do better. Be better. Here's three quick ways to faithfulness. Like if somebody's selling that for $19.99, $19.99, not a bad price. $99.99, don't buy it. Like it's not three easy steps. Like I can't pray it over you. I'd love to, man. I'd love to get just call down heaven and whoo, be faithful. Amen. And you walk away like, this is the greatest thing in my life. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. I'm faithful now. Pastor Paul prayed. No. It's on you. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. Sometimes the best thing is bring somebody into your life. Hey, help me. Help me. Help me. Call out. Call out areas of my life. Call out areas where, where you see a little inconsistency. Call, call, call me out. Those of you who love calling out others, wait to be invited. Okay, slow down. Slow down. You put those weapons down. This is an invite-only party, okay? You don't go gate crashing. Want to be patient, patient. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Like I, like I shared last week on gentleness, I'm also convinced that maybe equally so is faithfulness in our current cultural climate. In the TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Insta age, where everything's fast and quick. I don't care what people say, the sensitivity is still strong for people who can remain in the long game of faith. A long obedience in the same direction. Um, author John Acuff wrote, actually he tweeted it, you're welcome. He didn't write this one down, this is, this is a tweet. I didn't even have to photo, uh, you know, photo stag it. It just, it just got memorized. He was, he was talking at that time to, I believe, an audience that was filled with millennials and Gen Z. And he just, he looked at, look at them all. He looked at them all and he said, listen, in a generation crying out to be famous, God is crying out for faithfulness. In a generation consumed with fame and celebrity, God is calling forth for faithful people in private. And then, trust me, the influence from heaven in public. Amen? It's a good word. It's a good word for us today, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not. I know it's a good word. 
God is so grace-filled in our lives, and He's inviting us. He's always inviting us in to a greater level of faithfulness. I want you to see yourself. Listen, I don't care what you came in today. I don't care the mistakes. I don't care that maybe the whole message, all you could think about was unfaithfulness, irrespective. God sees you as faithful. It's your true identity in Christ, that you are steadfast, that you are a rock, that in private, the sin cycles that broke you down, listen, healing's on its way. Deliverance is on its way. Freedom is on its way. You're being transformed into Christ's likeness. So keep looking to God. Keep trusting God. Keep surrendering. Keep yielding. Keep repenting. Keep confessing. For goodness sake, keep going. And God is going to be faithful to transform us into his likeness. Amen? And hey, in the meantime, let's just keep swimming in these deep waters of his kindness, his generosity, and his peace. Amen?